Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com welcome to the daily face-off show your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis live every weekday at noon eastern welcome in it is a monday april 4th edition of the daily face-off show tyler Uremchuk and frank saravalli with you bringing you out of a weekend and it was a wild weekend around the nhl but frank i want to start you off with a nature fact all right Shoot me straight. (laughs) If you were going out on a duck hunting mission and you needed a dog breed to accompany you, a beagle is considered one of the top choices for duck hunting. Hmm? I see what you did there. We'll have a little bit more on that later. Well, not dog and duck hunting specifically, but Jay Beagle with uh, Tim Peel later on in the show. But let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the board and start with this. Leon Dreisaitl hitting the 50 goal mark last night on the same night that he hit the 50 assist mark as the Oilers take on or beat down on the Anaheim Ducks drives out of the second player this year obviously behind Austin Matthews to hit that 50 goal mark as you can see here he is now just the third active player with multiple 50 goal seasons following behind Steven Stamkos and Alexander Ovechkin Dreisaitl hitting the 50 goal mark he's got some work to do to catch Austin Matthews who has a game in hand and is a goal up on uh, Dreisaitl in the race but Frank your thoughts on Dreisaitl hitting 50 in a very Leon Dreisaitl way as well with that sort of patented one-timer from the bottom of the circle he doesn't miss there does he like he he hardly ever misses the net which is one thing a big reason why you know not only is he deadly with his shot in terms of hitting the right location but at least also in keeping it in play so uh just a special player special season again um and i I, it's a shame that he doesn't get more love because i think if you were to take this player and put him on just about any other team you know, he's not going to be overshadowed. He's not going to be the uh, Robin to Batman as he is with Connor McDavid. And in this case, uh, you look at what he's done again, another 50 goal, 100 point season crossing the uh, 100 point threshold on Sunday night as well. Now at 101 for the season, as our friend Jason Greger pointed out on the DFO rundown today, throwing a slew of numbers at us also now up in a story on dailyfaceoff.com is just how elite that club is. You have a number of guys and it's still kind of rare to hit 50 goals, but they don't always get to 100 points. And so he's certainly in an elite category, elite class, having now done that for the second time. Uh, Not many guys can say that. No, not very many at all. He and Alexander Ovechkin are the only two active players to have done the 50 goal, 100 point mark and done it twice. Leon Dreisaitl is the first player to hit the 50 goal, 100 point mark since Leon Dreisaitl a couple of years ago. And if you go the stories up, like you said, at Daily Faceoff, Gregor did a great job breaking down all the numbers, but only seven players in the NHL have done this five or more times in their career 
Wayne Gretzky's done it nine times in his career. But you look at that mark, seven guys have done it five times or more. You think this is maybe going to be a regular occurrence for Drysaddle? Like he's done it twice. He's in his mid-20s. Do you think he can rack up a few more of these? Yeah, I don't see any reason why not, particularly with his style of play, um, how engaged he is, how he is the guy that a lot of times is dragging the Oilers into the fight. Um, I, you know, I don't see any reason why he would be slowing down, why he couldn't get to that four or five mark in terms of 50 goal, 100 point seasons. And, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit on the rundown. You know, he's probably already done enough as long as he continues to go at this pace to be a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, absolutely. He has. And as Dry Settle said after the game, the focus now for the Oilers is on getting to the playoffs and winning in the playoffs. And they've certainly helped themselves out with this nice little winning streak that they've been on. We'll have more on the Western Conference playoff race coming up in a little. But the other big story or one of the other big stories from the weekend was Keith Yandel's Ironman streak coming to the end. And this had everyone chiming in online. Yandel ends at 989. Phil Kessel just 20 back of him at 969. My question to you, Frank, is fair or foul of the Flyers to end this streak on a healthy scratch? I lean towards fair at the end of the day. And I know that's going to rankle some people because they look at it and they say, the Flyers are way out of the playoff race. They're one of the worst teams in the NHL this season. Why are you dressing someone like Nick Sealer, a 28, almost 29 year old journeyman over Keith Yandel? You know, why couldn't you let him get to 1000 games? And, I don't know that that necessarily takes anything away from what Keith Yandel has accomplished here. And at the same time, I don't know that it's up to the Flyers to allow the streak to continue going artificially. In some ways, if you objectively measured his play, if you looked at his play from the beginning of the season on, Keith Yandel probably shouldn't even have broken the record. He should have come out of the lineup at some point in November or December based on his play. They overlooked that because they knew that he was closing in on Doug Jarvis and that 964 game run. And in this case, he passed it and they gave him another 25 games on top of that. So they're under no obligation. There's no guarantee that your streak gets to continue just because you're a good guy and your teammates love you. Your play has to dictate. This has to be a meritocracy. And like I said, objectively, you can't look at it and say that Keith Yandel deserves to continue to be in the lineup with his play, you know, basically the entire season. And why is it up to the Flyers when they've had him for one season to carry 13 years worth of baggage since that streak started in 2009? I see why people would be upset, why they don't agree with it. Flyers fans have been lashing out on social media saying, I'm never giving the Flyers another dollar again. <laughs> Well, that's your right as a fan, but it's also their right to dress the players that they see fit for their lineup. And in this case, I don't really disagree with it if you watch his play. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. Like, he hasn't been great. And I think the Flyers sort of goodwill and all this it ended when he set the record they could have scratched him at any point after that and i would have gone hey it's justified based on his play right and the other thing too and you can let me know if this is a little too hot takey i think they may have done keith yandel a favor I think this is a guy heading to unrestricted free agency. If I was a GM and I was like, I want a seventh defenseman who can, you know, kind of move the puck and slide in and out of my lineup. I wouldn't have looked at Keith Yandel with the streak going. Cause I would have said, I don't want to be the team that has to deal with the backlash when we healthy scratch him in game two next year. This might make it easier for Yandel to get a job next year in a weird twisted way. 
I think it will. And the big question will be up to him. Will he want to continue playing? You know, think back to Doug, Doug Jarvis and his 964 game streak. A lot of people don't remember or realize it also ended on a healthy scratch and that ended his career. From the time he entered the league until he played game 964, didn't miss one, healthy scratch, end of his career. That's his total 964 game career. So um, it happens. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he's 11 games short of a thousand, but let's not get worked up about getting to quad digits because it's really just a number at the end of the day. And it doesn't take anything away from what he's accomplished. 969 games in a row is flat out incredible. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely incredible. And you're right. It doesn't take anything away. And now the focus shifts to will Phil Kessel have it in him to break that record and make up those final 20 games. I would say that he probably does it, Frank. I was going to say that's probably a big reason why this isn't going to end up being a big deal because at the end of the day, my guess is Phil Kessel goes on and, and smashes this record and, and gets to 1,000 and Keith Yandel ends up being a, a footnote in history. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're running a little behind here, so let's move on to our uh, next topic. And we're slowly shifting into a conversation about the playoff races, but this is a debate I saw over the weekend and I'm interested in your take on it. The Minnesota Wild, they're second in the Western Conference. If you were to put their point total in the East, they would be tied for seventh in the conference. That is just crazy to me. Even if by points percentage, they'd be tied with the Bruins for sixth in the conference and they're second in the West. So the question is, Frank, is the East that much better or is the West just that much deeper? You know, I've been bouncing this around in my head since you asked me this morning, and I'm going to say that I think the East is that much better. You know, I think when you take a look at the Colorado Avalanche, you know, they're arguably the best team in the league. And a lot of these other teams in the West, Minnesota, Calgary, and St. Louis, they're kind of on par with, you know, that next rung down in the Eastern Conference that would include Carolina, Tampa, the Rangers, Boston, and Carolina, and Pitt. But I think where the East has a significant advantage is I think if you were to put a lot of those teams head to head, especially against the bottom half of the Western Conference playoff bracket, there's a pretty sizable advantage. I think a lot of those teams in the East would dominate the bottom half of the West bracket, clear cut series favorites that, you know, I think lend itself to answering the question that the East is so much better this year. You know, you look at that Atlantic division bracket and what it's going to look like. It's it's murderer's row, like trying to get out of that side of the bracket, not to say that the Metro is a cakewalk by any means, but when you've got any one of those teams that could be losing Tampa, Toronto, even Boston in the first round, and, and you're guaranteeing that basically three of those four teams are going to be eliminated in the first two rounds, like that's a banana sandwich to think about. Like it's, it's crazy with how good those teams are that no one's going to be going on a deep run except for one team from that group. Yeah. I, the, I get the East, like it probably is a little bit better, but I also think the West is a little bit deeper. And my reasoning for saying that is look at, so the eight teams that are in the playoffs, great. Those are good teams on either side of it, but look at the teams that are outside of the playoff picture in both conferences. How many of those teams in the East would you say are average or better? You could maybe say the, you could probably say the Islanders, and then you could maybe say Columbus just because they have that 500 points percentage. So there's maybe a case for them in the West. I think you could look at the teams that are outside of the playoff picture and say Vegas is above average. 
Winnipeg, Vancouver, since the coaching change certainly is as well. And at least earlier in the season, they've been dreadful as of late. But Anaheim was in that mix as well. So I think the reason maybe some of the higher teams have a lower points percentage is just because it's maybe tougher on a night to night basis to steal points off the non playoff teams. You're shaking your head. You think I'm, you think it's a yeah, that's that's not an argument I'm buying because I'm looking at it and I'm seeing those teams that are now down towards the bottom. And especially with how they've played of late, the Ducks, the Kraken, the Coyotes, like their bottom part of their standings are is just as weak just as many points you can pile up as some of the teams in the east that i don't know that the, the whole deeper argument holds weight or makes sense so you're saying the mushy middle in the west is just exactly that nothing but mush well Fair enough. i mean we went into the season talking about the pacific division being the easiest division in hockey and like look at the numbers they don't lie to this point the Oilers haven't set the world on fire for any prolonged stretch. You know, to start the season, they were good. They've been good of late. They had this huge chunk in the middle where they were the 31st or 32nd ranked team in the league and didn't really affect their playoff chances at the end of the day. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, speaking of that playoff picture and the Pacific Division, it was supposed to be one of the easiest divisions in the league. It kind of has been, but Vegas, surprisingly, is still on the outside looking in. And they've won five in a row. They're 7-3-0 in their last 10, but they can't make up any ground because Edmonton 7-2-1 in their last 10. LA 5-3-2, even though they've only won five of their last 10, Vegas has only managed to make up, what, two points on them in that span? Dallas is 7-3-0. Nashville is 6-4-0. and And you look at Vegas, only 11 games to go. The, I think the only hope they have of making the playoffs is if they catch Edmonton. But even if Edmonton just goes six and six down the stretch, Vegas would have to go seven, three and one just to tie them. You just look at this and I, I shake my head and go, I'm, I'm not sure how Vegas is going to do it. I don't think they are that like you, you just highlighted the math and that's really all that it comes down to is, you know, you look at this five game stretch that they've been on. They get Robin Leonard back in net. Logan Thompson was on fire. Um, you know, look at these totals like goal differential couldn't be better over a five game run. And they've made up exactly zero ground on the team that they're chasing for that last wild card spot in the Oilers. Like, good luck. And I think uh, that's the unfortunate part that it's not necessarily Vegas's fault that this is the way the NHL NHL's point system is structured. Like I've been saying forever. Three, two, one, zero. We have so many three point games in the NHL where the loser point is handed out, particularly at this point in the year, that makes it so difficult to make up any ground. Um, you know, you look at, at Vegas trying to chase Edmonton here, that math that you just said, six and six virtually assures the Oilers a playoff spot. Virtually. I mean, you shouldn't be able to limp in and a team needs to go seven, three and one just to tie you when you're only a few points back. That's not the way that it should be, but unfortunately that's the way that it is in the NHL. It's the hardest league in the world to make up ground in the standings. Yeah. And I agree with you. Like the, just on the service level of some games have three points handed out. Some have two handed out. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Every game, there should be three points on the line. I don't mind rewarding a team for bringing it to overtime. That's not a huge issue to me, but you should reward teams a little bit heavier than just a tick in a tiebreaker for winning a game in the first 60 minutes. And I think this run by Vase, not that like the NHL is not going to change this, right, Frank? Like there's no real appetite from them to do it. Zero. And that's the unfortunate part is like 
they they don't want to create any gap in the standings to start the year based on teams racking up three-point wins to the point where you look at the playoff picture and you say, well, this team is so far. It's it's almost like the standings are artificially closer than they should be. And, and that's actually the point is they want to drive ticket sales and revenue for games in January, February, and March when teams, you know, in a normal year, think about the East. We almost never have eight teams decided by early January and there's no race. Usually there's 10, 12 teams in the mix. This year, I think it proves the point and highlights even more so why you need a change because the old system isn't even doing what it was supposed to, which is create those artificial races. Now, in this case, we've sort of had everything locked in. Yeah. And also like you create these artificial races, but I would argue that having three points up for grabs for a regulation win that could keep keep some teams in it longer as well. Like it'd be like, Hey, if you rattle off six straight regulation wins, you just picked up 18 points in a six game span. Like that could also help keep playoff races interesting. Um, but two, I digress. Two points. One, I would say, by the way, if you watch the New York Islanders and how they've played, They've actually kind of they it's not interesting enough, but had Washington not gone on a bit of a run, I think they went seven oh and one. The Islanders might have put a little bit of fear into into the caps. And and the other part of it too is like, you know, you're looking at this and you say, we should just have, you know, a setup where teams are properly rewarded. Going back to what we were saying, three, two, one. It's kind of like do the math and what that would look like. I, I'd love to do that for a story on dailyfaceoff.com of what today's standings would look like as compared to what they might have. It would involve a lot of math, so I won't be able to help, but I'm sure you could handle it, Frank. Uh, two teams that are nowhere near the playoff picture in the Pacific Division are the Coyotes and the Ducks, yet they were still making headlines this weekend. We're going to get into it with another edition of Ask PLC. Always a pleasure to bring in our man, Tim Peel, who is rocking a beautiful St. Louis Blues Warrior Hockey sweater as well. I saw Mike McKenna was out doing some stuff with the Warrior Hockey program. I love all the stuff they do. Uh, as always, Ask PLZ is brought to you by DoorDash. Tim, this situation, Jay Beagle versus Troy Terry, Trevor Zegers is in the mix. When you look at this from an officiating perspective, could this or should this have been handled differently by the on-ice officials? <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, that's a that's a great question, Tyler. I think uh, some of the onus has to be put on um, um, the the Anaheim player, just because he's got to understand Troy Terry. He's got to understand that if he's going to go in and uh, stand up for his teammate Zegris, that something may happen. But I have a big problem with what Jay Beagle did. Troy Terry hasn't had a fight in five years. He had his gloves off. At some point in time, he's got to stop. Now, it's very difficult for linesmen to get in when when guys are throwing punches purely for their safety. But I remember a couple of years ago, I was doing a game in Washington and Tom Wilson filled in Ian Cole and broke his orbital bone. And the four officials we were talked to uh, the next day by the league and they really wanted the linesman to get in in that situation to help protect Ian Cole, a defensive defenseless player that is not throwing any punches. And the two officials, the two linesmen working this game, Ryan Daisy, 
He's uh, in year five. I think he's he's worked playoffs the last two or three years. I think he's going to have a phenomenal career. And then the other linesman is Jonathan Deschamp. Uh, first year guy. I saw him a few years ago. I knew the guy was going to get hired by the NHL. I think he's a young stud, but he's inexperienced. And he was the one standing beside uh, Troy Terry and Jay Beagle. And at some point after two or three punches, he's got to say, you know what? I got to stop this. And he's got to go in and, and put his back to Beagle. And if he's going to take a couple punches to the back of the head, then then that's it. But our job, our role as officials in the NHL is to keep the players safe. So, yes, I think they could have done a better job here. I don't think anyone's happy seeing Troy Terry get, you know, manhandled the way that he did by Jay Beagle here. But I think when you look at this, the totality of the situation, Tim, a lot of people were upset by what Tyson Nash said on the broadcast. And I'm curious your take on the overall situation, because when you first started officiating, you know, 20 plus years ago, the game was a lot different than it is now. And the reaction from Tyson Nash, when which is probably the same that would have been when he played, which is if you're going to try and embarrass our team up five, nothing, and you're going to come in and poke our goalie and you're going to try and skill it up. Um, you know, that might've been the normal reaction, which is, is basically what happened and the way Jay Beagle handled himself without putting words into Jay Beagle's mouth and, and, and his thoughts on why he jumped in. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the lacrosse goal that was scored just in terms of the overall game itself. We want to see more skill. Where do you come out in hearing comments like that? How do you feel when you hear something like that? You know, I've got a lot of respect for Tyson Nash. He played he played hockey the hard way. Linda Linda Cohn made a a comment on social media. She she obviously uh, didn't agree with Tyson's comments and said this isn't 1974 anymore. And I tend to agree with her because you know I coach as you know hockey here in St. Louis, and these kids they want to see Troy Terry, they want to see Zegers, they want to see Matthews, etc. You know, I love Jay Beagle. Jay Beagle, the reason he's still playing in this league is because he's a tremendous teammate, a good person. Uh, I think if if he could have done it all over again, and I can't speak for Jay, but I, I, Jay's not that type of player. So I think his emotions got the best of him. But I think the era that we're in right now, Frank, is, is you know what? This is what the fans are paying to see. They're paying to see skilled players uh, make skilled plays. And... We're going to punish a player because, you know, I looked at that poke. Somebody else said, well, he poked the goalie. Yeah. Well, my initial reaction when I watched it two or three times, the the uh, Arizona goalie didn't even flinch. If he got poked hard, he would have flinched. He would have, he would have you know, got up and, and gone after Zegers himself. But it really wasn't much. And I, I think it's I just I think it's disgusting that that a player like Troy Terry, I looked at the picture online yeah, he didn't get to play the next game. Next game, and I just, I, I think it's a, it's not a good look on our sport. We're trying to grow the sport. We're trying to grow skilled players and showcase skilled players. And now, if you, if you, if you score or, or you know, showcase your skills, you may have to fight somebody. I completely disagree with that. Incredibly well said, Tim. As always, fantastic analysis and another edition of Ask PLZ. As always, delivered by DoorDash. DFODD, DFODD US, promo codes at the bottom of the screen, 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order when you use those bad boys. Tim, we'll chat with you again soon. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. 
Moving along to our daily face-off inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. If you didn't see this, a great moment out in Ottawa the other day. Brady Kachuk on his way home from the game, third star of the game. Then he jumps into a little street hockey game here. Still rocking the dress clothes as well, uh, getting involved with some local kids. You love to see it. And it brings up the age-old road or street hockey debate, Frank. Tennis ball, orange ball, or the little puck with wheels, the street puck. Which one did you use? The street puck. Nothing else really? felt natural. Nothing else felt normal. Yeah, never would have used. Uh, you know, one thing uh, towards, I guess, like my when I was a teenager, they came out with like the really weighted hockey ball. Have you seen those? It's like it's they're pretty yeah. heavy and hard. It's it's got the same weight as a puck, and so I would use those occasionally. But if not, I would never use an orange ball or a tennis ball. It would always be the puck. I was I was. Strictly an orange ball guy. The tennis ball, I know a lot of people like it. It's bouncing too much. It's too hard to control, too hard to stick handle. The ball rolls nicely. You could easily get some air under it because I was not a very strong young kid. Um, so it was easy to rip them top shelf. <laughs> yeah, okay. uh, I, I love the orange ball. Were you a rollerblades on the feet guy or was it just running shoes on pavement? No, I'd be running shoes on pavement. Yeah. I do like, uh, by the way, taking a tennis ball out from like when I'm coaching my son and his team, like do some drills with the tennis ball. I think it, you always see a little bit of a different side of players when you do that. Gets the hand eye going a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, that's our daily face off inbox question. You can send in yours. Hashtag ask DFO on Twitter. And now we move along to our daily bet segment. And it is a big day for our friends at points bet Canada because they are live in Ontario. If you head over to our Twitter feed, we got some links up there. Sign up if you're in Ontario and they got a little bonus with a free bet as well. Once you do shout out to points bet Canada, huge day live in Ontario. So let's hope that brings me at least out here in Alberta, some good luck with my picks and our daily bets jumping into it with uh, the, the old reliable parlay action on two big favorites tonight, the Bruins and the blues taking them in regulation. This pays out plus 143 for the Bruins. They've been the second best team in the NHL by points percentage since the beginning of March. They've been virtually unbeatable as of late, and they beat this same Columbus team over the weekend in regulation. So I see no reason why they can't do it again. A little bit worried because Columbus is on home ice and they are getting Zach Wierenski back. But again, not enough to shy me away from putting the Bruins in a parlay here. They're just, they've just been too good recently to bet against. And the other side of this is the Blues, who've actually been extremely average as of late. Again, if you go back to March 1st and look at points percentage, they're towards the bottom half of the NHL. But they're playing an Arizona team that hasn't been great as of late, just three wins in their last 10. And the Yotes also played last night, which means they're going with Ivan Pro, pro set off between the pipes. I can barely say the guy's name. So I think the Blues will be able to get a couple on him and win this game in regulation. Blues and Bruins regulation parlay at plus 143. And for my prop, I'm going back to the Boston Bruins and I'm taking Patrice Bergeron to pick up an assist. I nailed this bet last week and Bergeron's just been on an unreal run. Four straight games with an assist, back-to-back -back games with two assists as well. Bergeron's been on fire. The Bruins, they've played the Blue Jackets twice over the last month. They've scored five goals in each of those games. Bergeron at plus 125 to get an apple is just too good a value for me to pass up here. So that is my player prop for the day. Frank, a couple, uh, two plays on a Monday night. Uh, what would what would happen if you added in the Bergeron assist and made it a three-way parlay? Would you do that? 
I, I wouldn't because that's probably a little bit too risky for me. I, I want to at least have the angle of if I hit one of these, I'm still up money on the night, right? With them both being plus money bets. Um, but it would probably put you up around, I'm not going to do math in my head, but are in that 280, 290, 300 range. So the payout would be very juicy, but I'm just not about that. I'm not about that action, Frank. All right. I like it. Uh, wrapping up with garbage time, usually I hand things over to uh, you or the co-host, but I'm taking this one myself because last night it was not NHL action that I was glued to. It was Canadian U Sports action. And I will always say, I mean, I, I do some work. I work on the broadcast for the University of Alberta Golden Bears, but I say Canadian U Sports hockey is one of the great underrated levels of hockey. It's usually a lot of guys who just timed out in major junior but in a lot of cases they were star players in major junior especially when you look at a roster like the university of alberta golden bears last night though alberta falling to the qtr patriots and yes i'm saying it in english because my french accent is not that good it was a double ot thriller that saw the patriots erase a two goal deficit in the third period scoring the tying goal with seven minutes to go the goalie for the patriots alexi gravel made 66 saves in the championship winning effort this is a fantastic level of hockey and i really don't think it gets enough love even north of the border here in canada so congrats to the patriots congrats to the golden bears who had an incredible run late in the season they looked unbeatable but in the end they were taken down in double ot and uh, one player noah philp was given player of the game for the alberta golden bears he's a guy who is probably going to get an nhl or professional hockey deal in north america in the coming weeks here so there's some real talent coming out of this level of hockey and i wanted to give them some love yeah it's definitely become one of the great next you know grounds that these teams are tilling in the nhl to find talent to find diamonds in the rough you mentioned noah philp um you know the calgary flames signed his brother luke philp uh not long ago and he's had a great season in the ahl it feels like more and more guys are coming from the u sports world because it's the same idea the same opportunity although they're a little bit older than ncaa college free agents to really find these players that could be valuable additions to your team essentially for free. I think the one thing that kind of holds me back from getting more into U sports hockey and watching it is just the lack of teams. You know, you see these playoffs and you see, you know, just the sheer success of the golden bears, for instance, in Alberta, it's like, how many teams do they actually go up against in order to win those titles in the West? Like four teams, six teams. I know I'm exaggerating, but compared to NCAA mm -hmm. hockey, it's still, uh, you know, it's a much smaller, smaller world that we're dealing with. Yeah, the gap between the top and the bottom in these leagues is still absolutely massive as well. A couple other U Sports alumni, Derek Ryan of the Edmonton Oilers, he was a Golden Bear. Zach Sachenko made a couple of starts this year for the San Jose Sharks. He's also a uh, Golden Bear alumni. So uh, that'll do or be a wrap on Garbage Time. And that'll wrap up the Monday edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com. In the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow with another show. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.